the Lax Factor Podcast. What is up, college lacrosse fans? This is the 57th episode of the Lax Factor Podcast, and today we're going to talk about way too early dark horses in college lacrosse that could make noise in 2020. That is the official title. Before I get into all of it, I want you to make sure to hit that like button down there, subscribe to the channel, share the video if you like what we're doing, and if you want to support us more, go to laxfactor.com. You can get some swag, or you could just watch our videos and, and do all of the interacting, interacting with us through the website. So let's get into it. And and first, uh, the first team that I want to talk about is Ohio State, the Ohio State Buckeyes. Last year, 8-4. and four. They don't get an at-large with an 8-4 and four record. Some people were mad about that. I don't. We'll get into why you can't be mad about that. But as with previous seasons, they started the season 7-0 and oh, on fire. I think not in 2018, but 2017, I think they started 9-0 and oh, and on fire. Uh, and they start 7-0 and oh before they finally get beat. They, this is my gripe with Ohio State is they always do pretty well in their out-of-conference schedule, and then they get into their conference schedule. And granted, the big, the big conference, Big Ten, is tough. But they get beat by Rutgers in their first conference game, fourteen to six, after going seven and zero, and that kind of they got beat up by Rutgers, and that kind of gave everybody that was was all the detractors like, hey, yep, see, we were right. You know, you don't believe the hype with Ohio State at seven and zero; they're not that good. They follow that loss up with a thirteen eight loss to Penn State. That's not that bad. I mean, that's kind of a bounce back game to a degree. 13-8 is respectable against Penn State, at least at that point it had been. Um, then they beat Hopkins on April 14th. They beat Hopkins by a goal as they're progressing here. And 8-2, and two, they, they beat a huge in-conference rival by a goal on April 14th, 8-2. and two. Things are looking pretty damn good for the Ohio State Buckeyes. A loss to Maryland six days later by only a goal. So, I mean, they, they beat Hopkins. They only lose to Maryland, who's tough by a goal. And you're still not looking bad at eight and three with Michigan coming up to finish the season. So Ohio State, all they got to do, it's pretty simple, beat Michigan and you get in. Because at that point, Rutgers was probably going to lose their final game of the year if they hadn't already. So for 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 Ohio State to get into their, their conference tournament, and they would have been the four seed. They just had to beat Michigan on the road, and Michigan at that point was sitting, I believe, at three and nine. Now, Michigan was a, a solid team. Michigan, was, I think I had said last year in one of our shows, Michigan was one of the best bad teams that I had seen. They played a lot of tough lacrosse. They lost a lot. They, they competed in a lot of close games and just had a lot of close losses. So Ohio State win. You get into your conference tournament, then you have a, a legitimate shot at maybe getting a win, even losing in the finals, and and getting it at large bid. They did not do that. They lose to Michigan on the road, 13-10. Season's over. It's done. Rutgers gets the four seed in the Big Ten tournament. Ohio State goes home, and they are done son. But that's how close Ohio State was to keeping their hopes alive in 2019. They were 8-3 and three with a 3-9 and nine team in their way of making the postseason and they lost. Now, why you you say why why would you put them at, up at dark horse status in 2020? I'm glad you asked. I'm glad you asked. Trey Leclerc, senior attackman. I think he plays a little mid. I played mid too. I I I watched a bunch of Ohio State games, but you know, early in the season, there the quality was poor, and then later in the season, there's just too much going on. But anyway, Leclerc is back for his senior campaign: thirty-four goals, three helpers, thirty-seven points, and Ohio State needs Leclerc to be freshman 
Trey LeClaire. His freshman year, he puts up 60-plus points, and he hasn't gotten outside the 30s. His sophomore and junior years, he's been right around that 37-point. Uh, so Ohio State needs him to put up more than 37 points. Trey LeClaire, you need to get 45-plus for Ohio State to have a chance because the, the three teams that are ahead of you in the Big Ten are all brutal. And that's that, there's a couple of teams right below you in the Big Ten that are brutal as well. Jackson Reed Jr., he's back 29-8. and eight. Jack Myers had a great freshman year, 17-20. and 20. He's back. They lose Jack Jasinski, and it seemed that Jack, Jack Jasinski was at Ohio State for like nine years. I think, I'm pretty sure he was. I'm almost sure that's a fact. Jack Jasinski was... Was at Ohio State for nine years, and he just completed his eligibility last year. They lose his 32 points, and they returned. But offensively, and this is the big thing, and this is going deep down into their roster, but they bring back 12 of their top 13 leading scorers. Now, that's that counts guys that put up four and six points or whatever last year as well in that, but still, they bring back 12 of their 13 top point getters. Uh, they bring back three 37-point getters, an 18-point getter in Kobe Smith, and a 13-point getter in Lucas Buckley. Very formidable offensive team Ohio State is. Back on the defensive side, Jeff Henrick, along with uh, Salisbury Riss, both guys that have experience, uh, specialist, face-off specialist Just, Justin Inacio, he's back. He won 36.7% of his face-offs. That, I, that surprised me. I didn't, I, I, like I said, I watched a lot of their games. I did not know he made that much noise. Josh Kersan is back in cage. He was at 50% last year, and as I always say, at the Division One level, find a goalie that can save the ball at a 50% click, you're pleased. Find one that can save it at a 55% click, you are delighted. You get a kid that's 60-plus, you find yourself an All-American, and everyone's going to be happy. So Ohio State, one bad loss away from making the Big Ten tournament, and they played every other team that made the tournament tough. One goal lost to Maryland, one goal win over Hop, respectable outing against PSU. If the unproven guys on defense for Ohio State can come out and play solid, they don't have to play great. They just have to play solid lacrosse. Through 2020, they could make noise for sure. That's why I put them as one of my dark horse teams. What will be tough, though, they have to unseat either Maryland or Hopkins as the second or third team uh, in the big to guarantee themselves an NCAA tournament berth. You get. I, I, I assume most of us think PSU is going to win the Big Ten, probably win the Big Ten tournament. Um, but then it's between Maryland and Hopkins from there. So I think for Ohio State to even to guarantee themselves a spot in the NCAA tournament, I think they have to finish third in the Big Ten, technically, you know, finish third in the regular season and then, you know, put up a good showing in the semis, even if you lose. And I, even then you may want to lose to to PSU. I don't know. You know, but the kicker being, I think they, if they finish third in the Big Ten, I think they get an at-large bid in the tournament. If they finish fourth, they still could, depending on how how, how everything goes. The Big Ten could put in four teams. Uh, it, it's just a matter of of how that all pans out in the in the regular season do they split does a team go 4 and 0 and another one goes 3 and 1 there's more teams than that in the Big 10 but you know what i mean so ohio state they got a shot they got a shot they just have to play well on defense a little bit better than we expect them to they may make the tournament and if they do make the tournament they're very formidable offensively they should be solid defensively and that's really what you're looking for come come tournament time an offense that can put up goals and a defense that can stop teams and they have a solid face-off guy to boot so looking good for Ohio State okay so my second dark horse team here high point out of the Southern Conference in 2019 they go 13 and 3 they have a loss to Richmond in the Southern Conference tournament finals that cost them an NCAA tournament berth there was no way the committee was going to let them in with their strength of schedule 2019 highlights and this is why some people thought they got gypped 13-9 win over Duke at Duke 
14-13 win over UVA at UVA. So holy crap, their non-conference wins over two of the biggest, you know, best best teams in the country. Eventual national champion, uh, both Final Four teams. Followed the UVA win up, though. They beat UVA on the road, and then they followed that up with a 10-9 loss to St. John's. And then they also lost to Jacksonville by two. So those losses, if they win those two games, they go 15-1. and one. They lose to Richmond in their conference finals. At-large bid, hands down, no question. So you could say those two losses cost them an at-large bid. Probably not. Those two losses didn't. What really cost them the at-large bid was not handling their business against Rich- Richmond. Uh, so that sucked. But And what they lose is huge. What they lose is Tim Troutner Jr., the goalkeeper, PLL, rookie of the year, had a great season, both at high point of senior year, and then goes right on, plays PLL ball, tears it up. So they lose him, 54.1% save percentage despite playing a very tough schedule. And I hate to say this because it's not true, but it is. They could actually be better defensively next year without Troutner because as long as they can find a goalkeeper to save the ball at a 50% clip, as I always say, they have Chris Price coming back, 19 cause turnovers, 26 GBs. Clayton Kroll, 16 cause turnovers, 36 GBs. Nick Walsh, 15 cause turnovers, 29 GBs. Luke Capetto, 7 cause turnovers, 14 GBs. A lot of stats, but they bring back four poles, all upperclassmen, all with legitimate starting experience, playing a fairly tough schedule, all on the roster that beat Duke, that beat Virginia. So they bring back a, a tough experienced core for their defense. So if you're ever going to start a, a new goalie after, and you, you have to return, uh, replace a really tough, nasty goalie, this would be the type of year to do it when you have a crazy defense coming back on offense, Asher Nolting, one of the best, most exciting attackmen to watch in college across hands down. He was 44 goals, 47 helpers last year, a 50, 50 guy, 91 points. He turns the ball over a lot, high risk, high reward, uh, and, and, you know, it's going to result in a lot of turnovers. I want to say he had 70 plus turnovers last year, but he sh- he'll shore that up a little bit, just being a year smarter as a junior this year, instead of a sophomore. And either way, that's part of their offensive scheme. Uh, Ben Baker back 27 and six Dalton Silver, 21 and nine Kobe Russell, 15 and 11 Hunter Vines, 18 and five, a lot of talented guys come back on the offensive side, anchored by Asher Nolting, one of the best to play the game right now. They lose Chris Young. That hurts 44 and nine last year, 44 goals. Great natural goal scorer. Played really well uh, with Nolting. Um, sorry, guys, for those listening. Again, if I haven't already said it, I'm drinking beer and uh, pre gaming for the Giants game here today against Arizona. Um, so, but like Ohio State, they were pretty much just one loss away from getting in. If they had maybe only dropped one of those two games between uh, Jacksonville and St. John's, maybe that puts them in consideration for an at-large. But the bottom line is they had a chance to win and get in, which that, that's a playoff game, yo. You have your conference finals game and you win and you get in. You lose and you don't get into the big dance. That's That's your chance and they blew it. But in 2020, with a bunch of very talented returners on offense coming back, a all of their starters pretty much coming back on defense except for their huge goalkeeper, Troutner Jr., they've got and, – and, and then to boot, they got to probably pull off a little bit more magic and up, get an upset, get a non-conference win that matters also, and then just – or just handle your business and win your conference tournament, which they're completely capable of. They're, I think they're my favorite to win the Southern Conference, so automatically – they're one of my favorites to make the NCAA tournament, but that's why I think they're one of my dark horses. I think that if they could get into the tournament, the NCAA tournament, they can get themselves a win uh, as a as an unseeded team or as one of the teams that that you know gets in through their automatic qualifier. So high point, watch out for them. Other teams worth noting. 
they're worth noting, but I don't think these two count as dark horses. So I'm going to mention them both teams that I think that, that didn't get into the tournament last year that could this year is Denver. Uh, they're not a dark horse to me, though. Otherwise, I'd give a full profile of them. But they're not a dark horse because with a coach like Tierney, they've won a national championship. Um, but they're they're always scary, you know. And you've got um, Walker back on attack. You've got a, a, an experienced team overall coming back. They played well against Syracuse in the fall. I saw them. So Denver, they're worth noting. Albeit, I don't I don't consider them a dark horse per se. Um, you have North Carolina. Again, they've won a national championship recently. They play in the ACC. Not necessarily a dark horse, but they pick up Chris Gray, and they already had a very talented team around, uh, you know, coming in, a bunch of youngsters playing. That's why they were, you know, bottom of the ACC last year. So North Carolina, another team that's worth mentioning. Now, here's the why nots, because I know there's a lot of a lot of teams that had really good seasons last year. And their fan bases and others are probably hoping they, they repeat and do the same this year. So here's my why not. It's like, hey, what about Princeton? What about Princeton? They bring back Michael Sowers, key, one of the best attackmen to play the game. He will go down as one of the greatest attackmen all time. Probably if I were to put a list together of top 30 or 40 attackmen all time, Michael Sowers is on that list. He's one easily one of the top five attackmen in the country this year, if not one of the best three attackmen in the country this year. So even with that guy, why do I not have them as a dark horse? A, they had some key losses in, in all thirds of the field. They lost some guys offensively, defensively, and they've struggled defensively on top of it. But mostly it's because the, the Ivy is brutal. The Ivy is, you know, the race there at the top is Cornell Penn and um, Yale. And who's going to, un, you know, they'd have to unseat one of those teams to even have a shot at getting into the NCAA tournament. We saw last year uh, only two, only, you know, the winner in the at-large, and that was it. Cornell got left out. Um, so Princeton, that's why I don't have them as one of my dark horse teams, even though they're formidable Rutgers. Why not Rutgers? They had a solid year. They finished strong last year. They make the big 10 tournament. They, they had a couple of upsets. Why not them? Well, it's because, yeah, especially because they bring almost everybody back on offense, everybody that really, really matters, but they also lose, um, McKaylee and plus off their defense two of their very key defenders. They lose them off the defensive side. They do not have, they're not built to overcome that. So I don't, I think that they probably finish about the same um, this coming up year as they did last year. Army, once again, a team that returns almost everybody that matters offensively, but you lose Johnny Serdick and Schultz, Johnny Serdick specifically on the defensive end. And then you lose Schultz also, also between the two of them, that's 46 cause turnovers. Serdick uh, had 36, Schultz uh, uh, 10. So and then you lose AJ Barreto in your in cage a fifty seven percent save percentage last year for Barreto so you lose your goalkeeper uh, who's a monster and then you lose Serdic who is a monster you lose Schultz who is key Army even with bringing everybody back offensively they're built a little bit more I think to weather that kind of loss on the defensive side uh, just because of the discipline they play with but that's why I didn't have Army as one of them Richmond is another one Richmond's easy you lose Teddy Hatfield and you're not replacing him. You can't lose a 50-50 guy like Hatfield. He's hard to replace, not to mention Ryan Lee at the midfield. Or I think Ryan Lee actually played attack. Uh, 17 goals and 11 assists, and uh, Hatfield's 36 and 35. You lose those guys, two of their top four scorers. I don't see them being a dark horse. UMass, another one for the same reason. They bring back a trio of really nice offensive lacrosse players. Chris Conley, 27 and 36. Uh, Prosick, 35 and 5. And Spencer, 21 and 12. But they lose their best defender and an incredible goalie in Scannone. 
and Scanone, I for some reason in my notes it says Scanone's ass. I don't know why why it says that. So that's why not UMass. Uh, so all in all, a you know my Ohio State. I think that they can make some noise. They're they're solid every other year, every two years, every three years. They're solid. Um, I believe that uh, High Point could have a similar season to last year. I don't think that expecting High Point to go to win 12 games. They won 13, I think, last year, 13 and 3. I think that they, you know, assuming they play about the same number of games, I think that they could go 12 and 4 next year uh, but and, and, and win their tournament and get themselves in. And then, like I said, we got Denver, UNC, Princeton, Rutgers Army, all the guys I talked about, all very good teams, and, I, and any one of them could prove me wrong or whatnot. I... I, that's it. I nothing. I'm going to sit here and I'm going to cheers, cheers to kind of now doing my way too early prediction or my way too early top 10 and now my way too early dark horse teams. I think that what we're going to do is we're going to set up a dual podcast here with uh, the guy who runs the lacrosse analytics um, channel. And we're going to talk about our, we were both going to put a full top 20 together and talk about that a little bit. So see a little bit more collaboration. We had the Peacock interview. I'm going to start, you know, trying to find a few more people to interview here and there, even though interviewing isn't my thing. Rambling on like a lunatic is more my thing. And I think that's what works for me. So either way, thank you for listening. Be sure to like, subscribe, hit the notification bell, share the podcast, go to laxfactor.com. You can buy yourself some swag, uh, comment down below to be entered in to win these shorts. We'll do the drawing a week from the day that you're seeing this podcast, assuming you're watching it on Tuesday. And, uh, that is it. Hoost is out.